right, welcome in. It is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. One of, I think we're going to down to this one and one more for the regular season. It, time is flying, Griffin. Uh, I guess is next week. No, two weeks from now, Selection Sunday, Can't and wait. then it begins. So uh, you know, this is the uh, the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I can say that Griffin and I both are. Uh, Licking some wounds after this weekend, some is, some tough beats our way. You had uh, an extremely tough one today on Sunday with Penn State. What's going on with these Big Ten teams who just like decide I'm going to play basketball for you know uh, let's go 33 minutes and then we're just going to stop? And it, it's a really weird thing because this is like the third or fourth time in the past couple weeks that a Big Ten team's just done nothing in the past in the last six seven minutes of a basketball game. Yeah, um, thank you for that intro. Uh, it, it's, I think, a, a league that has problems. Uh, it's happened to Michigan, Michigan State, now Penn State, though I feel like I've literally had the same Sunday night um, as I'm like feeling the Sunday scaries going to work on Monday. And there's always a Penn State game. It's a little bit of a – usually they're underdog. This year they were – or today they were a favorite. Um, just big leads, offense goes in the tank. Uh, I think there's some good adjustments being made and, and potentially – if you feel like you had a really good half, it's very unlikely you repeat the same type of level. Um, but credit Rutgers, I mean, they looked like they were really starting to struggle, uh, potentially could be playing themselves onto the bubble. Um, huge win uh, and pretty incredible performance from freshman point guard coming in off the bench. And uh, they literally just went to him and did a drive to the basket pick and roll over and over again. Um, and I got to say, love Steve Peichel and uh, want to be backing them as much as I can. Just wish they could shoot. Well, we'll talk about my – well, I, I don't know which one. You know what? We're going to talk about two teams that involve my two most painful beats of the weekend, uh, and we'll we'll just roll in my complaints into these games. But let's start with one of those, and that would be Baylor. We're going to project minus two at Oklahoma State, and I was on Oklahoma State against Kansas State. They were in full control of that game and felt like they were about to just crank it up and run away, and then they did the same thing. And just the last eight minutes of the game was just death for Oklahoma State's offense. Uh, just couldn't get anything going down the stretch. It was it really like – and this game ends up being a five-point loss for Oklahoma, which probably should have been a double-digit win if they just maintained what they'd done in the, you know, the first 75% of the game. Uh, so Oklahoma State – kind of on my shit list right now, but they've lost four straight. Um, I don't know if they are, I, I don't know if they're guaranteed a tournament spot. Like, I, I guess no one, you know, I, I shouldn't say no one's guaranteed, but who knows what the what the committee's looking at at this point. But a, a couple weeks ago, it felt like Oklahoma State was like really firmly in a, as a tournament team. And now feels like they're probably really bubbly and if they if they were to lose to say you know if they lose this game and lose to Texas Tech at the end of the year don't win a couple games in the Big 12 tournament I could see them getting sent to the NIT uh so let's let's I guess we can look at the other side of this was Baylor who came off a huge win over Texas um a win that really I mean it, it ends up showing as a nine point win and it was close for I guess probably about a half, and then you you just saw Baylor pull away. Texas actually looked really good early in that game. 
Uh, but but Baylor in the at the start of the second half just pulled away, turned it on, uh, and won with with their offense. I, I thought that they were ex- extremely good shooting the ball uh because their defense wasn't great texas had some success shooting as well so baylor really had to step it up on the offensive end and they dominated the glass which they they tend to do uh what are your thoughts your takeaways from baylor and oklahoma state this weekend and how do you see them matching up i'll start with the uh bid process for oklahoma state i i think they were a bubble team even before this four straight losses um it is hard to fill out. You got to get 68, 31, or 32, or 30, however many auto bids there are. And then a lot of at-large teams. Most are going to come from, um, in my opinion, downtrodden conferences like the Big Ten and the ACC. Uh, I don't know how many the Pac-12 are going to get, but we do know the Big 12 can play defense, and we do know that they keep adding wins to each other because no one wins on the road in this conference. I mean, they do, but it's, it's less likely, I think, than any other conference in America. Um, Oklahoma State, I was on that with you. Uh, ridiculous collapse uh, in the second half. I feel like uh, two of those of my four bets this weekend did not win a single one. So that was pretty tough, but um, it's been a good year so far. So I guess coming back a little bit towards the mean. Um, in regards to Baylor, I mean, lost Keontae George early in that game and we're down 18 to four to my alma mater, the Texas Longhorns, and still came back and won. And uh, it was, I guess, close late. I mean, they were found forever, the Horns. It doesn't seem like Rodney Terry cares about nine point losses, but um, I think Baylor are still a really good offensive team. Is this still a really good offensive team? It shoots a lot of threes. It's a scary thing on the road, but. Um, Oklahoma State wants to funnel you to the basket and use their big guys to block shots. Uh, K-State didn't really want to do that this weekend. I feel like a lot of teams that play Oklahoma State that are capable of shooting outside are a really tough matchup for them. Um, I'm kind of out on Mike Boynton at this point. I, I feel like I just watch him and the offense that he runs <clears throat> with a big lead to K-State this weekend. Just feel like they didn't really do anything intelligent. They were in the bonus for 14 and a half minutes in the second half and shot threes for the next 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden saw an eight point lead evaporate. And I just feel like that's bad coaching. Um, he's done a f- okay job considering all the sanctions at in, in Stillwater, but I kind of wonder if there's someone out there that might do this job better. And uh, I feel like Scott Drew is going to coach circles around this guy. Yeah, that's kind of the the way that I lean here too. And I, I'm kind of with you that I'm not like running to the window to bet on these these road teams. But it, at this point, there's there's times where it, like the the home team is just such a mess that it's hard to look the other way. And is you know, late season, you're not going to get the lax performances that you get sometimes in, in the early season, it feels like. You know, there, there may be a team sleepwalking, uh, you know, mid-season through a game where this late in the season, everybody's fighting for seeding. They they all know what they're, what they're looking for. They all know what they're close to. I don't think you could possibly see a, a lazy performance from Baylor here. So uh, it's bears or nothing for me. I'll go to the next team that broke my heart this week. <laughs> and this one is kind of my own fault, I guess. I w- I got a bad number on New Mexico. Um, I had said that I didn't want to be involved in New Mexico games anymore. But then I said, you know what? This is like a must-win game for them. And I'm pretty sure everybody else in the world got a, a two-and-a-half or a three uh, on New Mexico, I got a one and a half and San Diego State hits a three pointer at the buzzer to win by two. Uh, 
So New Mexico kind of buried. We'll we'll skip past them. San Diego State, though, continues to roll. That's a nice win for them at the pit in a game that they were down big in, by the way. New Mexico kind of collapsed in that one, too. Had a couple collapses. Um, now we're looking at, at them traveling to Boise from New Mexico, getting two points on the road at Boise. Do you think that San Diego State is just finding themselves at this point? Because this is now six straight wins, 10 out of 11. Uh, look a lot better than they did early in the season when you know they were they were losing games to Arkansas and, and you know that 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 little uh, preseason tournament with them in Arizona ended up being like a at the time we we're like man this is some some of the best teams in the country here and San Diego State kind of came out on the short end of it uh, but it feels like in conference play they've righted the ship they are headed to the tournament no matter what what kind of focused effort do you think we get from the Aztecs here. I mean, I think, like you said earlier, everyone's playing proceeding at this point. I don't think there are um, there are some some better spots than others for sure, but I don't think there are lookheads at this point. Um, though I do think some of the teams might be looking ahead to tournament play if they're out at this point and know they have to win it. Um, you might see some guys sit, might have a bad back type thing. But um, San Diego State, I mean, they do the same thing every year. They even though the Mountain West has been, I think, pretty decent, was probably the best it's been a while last year, not so strong this year, but similar situation, went on the road to Utah State, had a really tough start, and then controlled the whole game. Um, Boise is a little bit different because I think they play a lot more defense. Utah State's really three-point reliant. Boise State has a little bit more to them. Um, but I've got to say, I was very happy for a Utah State bet. Um, I think it was the 8th of, of February, and – um, it felt to me like that was a great spot to play a team that's playing at home with a huge crowd, very similar to what we had here. And and I was kind of selling San Diego State because they, to me, looked like they were trading some of their normal defensive paths for some offense because they realized they didn't have enough offense being the best defensive team in the in the land is not good enough. Hopefully you don't hear the motorcycles that are having a party outside. I don't know what that's <laughs> going on. Um, but I, I think... Boise or nothing for me based on just really being home court reliant at this point in the season. Um, but I got to say, uh, beware of the short favorites because at this point, there's not really any surprises out there in the numbers. Um, certainly some of them are going to win and win handily. Uh, but I do think the short favorites, there's a reason for them. And there's a reason why Oklahoma State Rutgers just two in the last two days will, or excuse me, Penn State will, will choke games away because they're not really great teams. They have holes. And then uh, the better teams that are on the road that are slight underdogs are better and, and show that they're better. Um, I do think that big crowds are important. Boise should have a big one. This is the biggest game in the Mountain West for them every season. Um, I like Boise, but I honestly feel like I'm not sure at minus two. I might even do a little bit better than that. I mean, I generally don't try to get too frisky below three points because they generally move to favorites and in, in the way that the market moves things in this sport. Um, but I've been pretty impressed by San Diego state. I feel like they're just doing what they're doing. Boise's good too, but this could be a really good game and, and one that might show some tournament quality for one of these teams that could make a bit of a run. Uh, I tend to agree. I, I, I would be Boise or pass as well. Um, Boise is, maybe the most home court reliant team in that conference, even more than New Mexico, the way things have played out this year. And New Mexico is kind of historically known as a, a great home court. This, this Boise team is just incredible on their home floor and not so great away. Well, I shouldn't say not so great away from home, but they're, they're certainly weaker away from home. And that showed again over the weekend uh, at San Jose state, who's it went from being one of the worst teams in the conference to super feisty, 
uh, late in the season and they get in miles, baby. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, a big turnaround for them and they, they I, I give them a lot of credit for it as well. Uh, they needed it and have, have made the most of the second half of this thing. Um, but I think Boise right now is right there with San Diego state as kind of the, the cream of the crop in this league. And I'd expect them off the loss. I think you get a fully focused effort from them. I, like you said, this is the big game for them. Uh, I, I think that they'll be stoked for it. I think they'll have a good performance. I don't know that I'm looking to lay the points either. And maybe it's it's funny when you know two feels like a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's that's a little scary, but these numbers matter. As I just pointed out, with me having New Mexico plus one and a half yep. instead of a uh, plus two and a half, which I could have had had I waited a little longer. That was the, literally I, I I had like ten games, and that was the only line that moved against me at all. I had positive CLV in every bet except that one, and of course that's the one where the the half point bites me in the ass. So. I mean, it, it shows you that it matters. It a lot of times it just keeps you warm when you're a three point favorite that closes minus five, loses by twenty. But um, one one thing I also was curious about, and, and I wonder how it affects your opinion on this one, is San Diego State winning by twenty in the first matchup. Yes, it was at home at Viejas, but. Um, Two teams didn't shoot threes well. Boise, two of 18. San Diego State, four of 18. Yet, San Diego State won by 20. Average lead was 14 points. Does that how does that make does that make you change your ideas or make you feel like this might even be a harder uh, game situation for Boise? Yeah, and again, but these are two teams that, you know, when you, when you talk about Viejas and uh, I guess they call it extra mile arena. Now oh, it used okay. to be Taco Bell. Taco Bell. It was, yeah. it was cooler then. Uh, but those, I mean, they're two of the, the mountain West really is an elite home court conference. And I, and it makes sense because there's a ton of travel. You, you look at these school, the, like the MAAC or the Ivy where travels minimal home court edge is minimal. The mountain West, like it, every road game is like a, a trip. You know, and and that makes sense that the home court matters more. It is a little like normally I love when a team lost the first matchup, lost it close. I like backing them in the second matchup. Right. But you're right. This was not a close one. And uh, if you remember that game, I mean, it it snowballed quickly. It was it, it, the game was out of hand in the first half. And like you knew there was no way they could come back. So those games are tougher to read for me. Than like the way Virginia blows teams out, where it's just a slow burn, and it you know over the course, it's suddenly they're wow, they're up by twenty five. How'd that happen? Mm. Uh, this was a, an early blowout, and and you know Boise tried to shoot their way out of it and couldn't. But you're right, both teams shot poorly, it, it, probably because and San Diego State. This is a surprising stat: the best offensive team in that conference, like which you wouldn't think of as San Diego State being a great offensive team, uh, but Boise that was probably their worst game of the season um and I, I again at this point in the year i think you get a fully motivated fully focused effort from them and also remember that was the the second leg of a road trip where their first game was at air force and that's always a tough road trip for everybody e even the teams that are used to elevation uh going to air force is always a tough trip so I don't know. I, I'm not trying to like excuse a 20 point loss away because right, right. I don't think that you can. But I'm also not going to say, well, they've got they've got no chance of beating them because that's one one data point out of like 
you know, 25 that we've seen this year, 28 now, 29, whatever it is now. I I think we've got to uh, give them a little grace for having a, a bad performance every once in a while. Here's a team who has had a handful of bad performances recently. The Tennessee Volunteers, who, man, it, it, about a month ago, I guess around the time when I was like riding at my highest too, maybe I'm Tennessee. I was on top of the world a month ago with my college hoops betting. Uh, been a rough month for me. Been a rough month for Tennessee. It, is something fundamentally wrong with the Vols? Uh, we're going to look at them as minus six at home against Arkansas. And i just curious what your thoughts have been since that Texas game uh, you know, they felt like, man, they, they were unbeatable at that point. And since then, they've gone three and five, some ugly losses in there, uh, a loss to Florida, lost to Vanderbilt, Missouri. Like, these are some bad losses. But they've also got a big win at home over Alabama in that stretch, too, which feels insane that you could, you know, lose lose at, at Vanderbilt one week and then the next week come back and win against Alabama. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on the Vols at this point? Where do you see them as like a a title threat? If you see them as a title threat, and how do they match up against the Pigs? Uh, man, I feel like Tennessee are an enigma. Uh, is an enigma. Whatever article I'm supposed to use. Um, also beat Auburn in that stretch as well, which is not nothing, but. 146 to 43. I mean, the range of outcomes for Tennessee is just really hard for me to handicap, for me to have really an idea. And I think it really comes down to we know they're going to defend. We know they have a like stable of big guys that are going to make it almost impossible for you to go inside on them. The problem is if you can shoot threes, that's a really nice setup. Uh, the nice part is Enigma 2.0 in the in the SEC is Arkansas, who have not been able to shoot threes all season lost two of their three-point shooters to injury. And then Nick Smith is back and scored 26 and 24 in recent games. So trying to understand if he's like resting his knee, having a load management or whatever they were calling it early in the year. There's just a lot in this matchup that is confusing to me. That makes me feel like any bet I make here would probably based on the, the spread you're projecting would probably be an Arkansas lean. I do think Arkansas is a good team that has some work to do to make sure they're in the tournament. I think they will get there, but um, this is a big test. This is a huge scalp on the road for them. I think this is an important game for Arkansas more so than it is for Tennessee, but Tennessee probably has a lot on their shoulders just trying to prove they are who we think they are or who everyone thought they were entering the season or before this six or seven game stretch, what we thought they were. And I just feel like with a team that can't really make shots at from time to time, it's really hard to trust them as a national championship contender. I think their defense is good enough. I, I think everyone knows my thoughts. If you listen to this podcast ever on Rick Barnes, but I mean, he's been to final fours before, I think just one at Texas, but um, there's, I mean, and the tournament's such a crapshoot anyway, it's really about who gets upset near you, how you're seated. If you're Kentucky and they gave you a five instead of a two, like crazy things like that. And I, I think from where I sit in this one, I'm very interested to see what Arkansas puts out there because I think they're a team that still is really talented, is very deep and has a lot more, I think, ability than they've shown in their resume shows. And I think that's kind of what this part of the year is about. Whereas Tennessee, I think we all still count them as one of the title favorites potentially in like the handful or 20 teams that you'd pick. Probably they're in that list, maybe 10. Um, but I just don't really know what I get from them from time to time. But I do know their crowd's going to be really tough to to be against if you want to play Arkansas. Yeah, I tend to agree. And 
Arkansas, it feels like they had kind of a an all-in performance uh, against Alabama over the weekend and came up short. And that you know, if you you go against one of the top teams in the country and you almost have them and don't get there, I don't know what that does for them mentally, emotionally, but it's it's probably not great. Um, and really, when you look back at you know they they've they'd won two in a row before that, but they won against Florida without Castleton and they won against Georgia. Like I, I'm, I'm still not convinced that Arkansas is a good team. And when I see the number by their name in Ken Palm 15, mm. I think there's no way Arkansas is a top 15 team in the country. Like I, I just, I can't get to that in, in any way, shape or form. So uh, it feels to me like this is an overvalued team uh Tennessee you're right super hard to trust mostly because if Tennessee puts up any kind of points on offense they're terrifying the problem is they have so many of these nights where like you say like the Auburn game the fact that they won a game where they scored 46 points is pretty wild but they they're just night and day like if if they score 70 points there's almost nobody who can beat them if but when they score 46 like they could win that game or they could lose that game by, by 20. I, I don't know. So Tennessee, not a team that's in my circle of trust anymore. They were right. earlier in the season. Uh, I've, I've since booted them out. Uh, and I, I honestly just feel most comfortable passing on their games altogether at this point. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you for that. I feel like they're just, they're too hard to trust at this point. Um, and I know you go way back with them, uh, even picking them as a 2022 national title team and uh, look like it was one of those that could happen. Um, it's just, it's hard to know what you're getting from them. And uh, I think it's probably best for us to watch. Speaking of teams that it's hard to know what we'll get from, <laughs> that's what these last two teams are. I, I think both of them, Texas and TCU. We're going to project uh, Texas as a, about a one point dog on the road at TCU. TCU still a lot of love in analytics. There's a lot of sharp guys who are still looking at TCU as a, a title team. I don't see them as that, particularly because almost all of the success that they have as a team comes on their home court, uh, with the weird exception of they lost to Kansas State at home and then won at Kansas State, which nobody else can do. Um, but it showed again where you know they they lost at Baylor and Really, the final was 80, uh, excuse me, I'm talking about Texas now, uh, losing at Baylor, 81-72. Texas is sort of the same way. Texas is a team that has been very reliant on home floor, and I guess their new their new stadium, clearly an upgrade over the old one. Yep. Um, I, I just don't know which of these teams – to trust other than to say I got to automatically lean toward the home team. Is that where you stand with these two teams both at this time? I mean, it's really hard for me to project my alma mater and what they're going to do. Was very close to playing Baylor number got away from me. Unfortunately, I did not play it this weekend. Would have been very upset at myself for playing it when it was 18 to four Texas to start and Keontae George wasn't on the floor, but um, I feel like the Texas offense, unfortunately, when things go well, it's, it goes well, but when it doesn't go well, they kind of panic. Brock Cunningham takes a bunch of three pointers and he sh- really shouldn't be on the floor at all. Besides for rebounding, he's added some to his shot this year, but I feel like whenever we're in a trouble situation, no one wants to shoot. And Brock is like, Oh, I'll shoot. 
Um, and I got to say, our, our offense seems to be a very ball dominant um, kind of situation scheme. There's not a lot of passing that happens. It's Timmy Allen going one-on-one. It's Marcus Carr going one-on-one. It's Serge Barry Rice t- shooting a pump fake and then taking a, a long two inside the arc. I just, I don't really see a lot of offense. I feel like that's one of the limitations for Rodney Terry in his career as a a head coach, which he then gave up to be an assistant to Chris Beard before that whole disaster went down. Um, as always with Texas sports, as a Texas alum, um, just as we start thinking, oh, we might need to go to these games where we might win the Big 12, we take some some bad losses, unfortunately. And I feel like it's really hard to trust Texas just in general because the offense doesn't look great. I think there's there are a team full of good players that can cause some problems, but TCU is so deep. And I feel like that's, what's kind of set them apart. They run like crazy. They try to put everything into transition. Um, even against teams that really, I thought Texas tech did a pretty good job of stopping that this weekend. Um, still TCU led the whole game in like a terrible atmosphere for a road team. Uh, and they get to be at home. This uh, I think the big win ticket prices has gone back up. Not a lot of people are trying to sell their tickets anymore after a pretty rough stretch without Mike Miles. I don't think that necessarily he's been awesome, but he's been getting healthier and that's important. Um, I don't think that this is a, a situation where I'm going to move away from my interest in home teams. Uh, I don't think Texas has proven it yet. Um, they're a really good team, but I feel like this is a game that TCU can win. I think it's probably more likely to win because they're at home. Yeah, TCU is interesting because it, it they you do have to factor in that run of no miles and how important was he? And I, I guess we've kind of done this with uh with Kalkbrenner at Creighton, like how when you've got a player that's that important to what you do, how do you handicap what they were when he wasn't available? And if you take out that run where Miles was gone, TCU does look like a a really good team. I. I, I, it's hard for me to just say, well, not, nothing else matters. If it, like if, if it's Mike Miles against the Big 12, I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards the Big 12. So I, I'm one of these people who doesn't really believe in uh, TCU, but I'm also with you that right now I'm not looking to back any any road teams, even at, at pick them short numbers. Like it just uh, it doesn't make sense. So sounds like we have some agreement there. Let's take care of some business and get to some best bets. Let's do it. So uh, promo code for this episode is BID20, as all teams in college basketball right now are looking for a bid, automatic bid, uh, non-automatic bid, whatever you can get, however you get in the tournament, into the dance, you do it, put the slipper on and see how far you can get. Use the promo code BID20 for 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good for seven days from the podcast release and grab my soccer stuff, AJ's uh, UFC. I also saw that he's doing uh, some XFL out there as well. Um, don't know where any of these players came from or how they pick the names of these teams, <laughs> but it seems like AJ's got an edge. So jump on there as well. Use the promo code bid 20 and you get 20% off for anything on the pregame.com website. All right. One and one back to the, uh, you know, off of it. Can't be have, perfect three? forever. Three straight uh, two and zero weeks. We go to a one and one this week. Um, Texas Tech, boy, they're a thorn in your side. Lose uh, every way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No matter what, and uh, what can Brown do for us? They can cover. That's what they can do. Heck what yeah. can Brown do for you? They got the cover. Got the job done. Uh, I'll give you the lead here. Okay. Uh, your game is probably more noteworthy than my game, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll let you we'll let you jump out first. Okay, I'm gonna grab the Providence College Friars. We're projecting via the AJ Swami Projection Company a minus two 
uh, point spread at home against Xavier. Um, I think Providence, like much to everyone's chagrin, especially across college basketball, Twitter or gambling Twitter or anything like that. Um, they've been kind of a target on the back. I don't think we we both had Providence in different fashions. Me first half, you full game against Connecticut this week. I think that was a tough loss for them and really showed that they needed to focus on their defense, which I think is going to f- work really well for a matchup with Xavier, who I don't think is really the team that we saw earlier in the season. A offense-only type of squad is so weird for Sean Miller, coach team. Uh, but I think Providence at home, they've played really well there. They've shown it for years and years now that they're better than their analytics suggests. And I think they are one of those home teams that get the job done. So I'll lay the two points with Providence College, back them up to minus three. You might even get a little bit cheaper than that based on, I think, Xavier's reputation. But Providence College at home in the formerly known as the Dunk, now the Amica or whatever it's called, since they're not paying us, I won't say it, uh, lay the two on Providence minus two. Yeah, the the first matchup between these two teams was great. An overtime game uh, that Xavier won, although, again, you mentioned X was playing a lot better at that point in the season than they are now. Um, their only wins recently, really their only wins since that game, have been St. John's, uh, DePaul, and then Seton Hall's corpse on Friday. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. They're, they're not the same team that they were. Um, this feels like on the road, this feels like a good spot to grab Providence. I I typically love looking at Providence as an underdog, but you know, with a with a line this short. Uh, and really that's why I loved them against UConn. I was like, oh man, great price. And it didn't end up working out for them. No, no. Um, but I do think that Providence also is is feeling like the need to to keep battling. We know Marquette is gonna be the one seed. Uh, in that Big East tournament, but nothing else is really decided. So uh, two straight wins could lock Providence into that two seed, which would be huge for them. So uh, don't disagree with your pick at all. For mine, I'm going to go to the MAC, and I'm going to go to the bottom of the MAC, and we're going to go with Miami of Ohio on the road at Western Michigan, and it's a I'm going to project it a pick them. Uh, Ken Palm says Western Michigan – favored by one i i don't know i i don't know i'm I'm just giving myself some wiggle room here but it's going to be a a tight spread miami's currently eighth overall in the standings in the mac and if if you're unfamiliar with the mac tournament uh only eight teams make it so being in the eighth spot is a big deal the only team that's fully 100 eliminated that would be western michigan and i don't know that we're going to get the best performance from them uh, I don't know that they really care. They, 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 it makes sense for them to start playing for the future, getting some extra minutes for their younger players. Owen Lobsinger, who's like a a backup big for them, got a season high in minutes uh, against Akron. So it, it makes sense that they're starting to to give their young guys some opportunities because this season not going anywhere. Uh, this is also a play on and say what you want about Kevin Steele as a coach, probably a, a failed tenure uh, at Xavier if you really like boil it down. But I like having his experience in this game over a first year head coach and Dwayne Stevens. And you know, knowing that he's got something to play for, I think he'll be able to get his team up for this. And Steele doesn't have the pieces in place yet to be a great defensive team, which I know was going to be his his kind of focus when he came in and he wants to do he wants to do the pack line principles and he wants to make you have to shoot from outside. 
and Western Michigan certainly can't shoot from outside. He doesn't have all the pieces to be great on defense, but he's still they're still so much better than Western Michigan on defense. They're awful. And Miami's been the best two-point percentage team in MAC play. Western Michigan ninth stopping two-pointers. Miami's also a top 10 team nationally in free throw percentage, which played a huge role in the first Miami win when the Red Hawks made 90% of their free throws and the Broncos made 58% of theirs. I'll take the better free throw shooting team in these closely lined games. That's my, I, I always love having that. And this is a huge discrepancy. So I'll take it here. Miami of Ohio, my pick over Western Michigan at about a pick them. Well, uh, I can't say I've watched a ton of these Mac teams, not really preparing for them to make it too deep in the dance. Uh, actually, but nice to see that Travis Steele landed somewhere and uh, hopefully he, uh, We'll make us some money because uh, I enjoyed fading him at Xavier for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, and again, there's guys who are built for the Big East and guys who are built yep. for the MAC. Yep. And Miami, remember Miami used to be like the team to beat in the MAC, the, the Wally Zerbiak days. Yeah. And I think they're a, a good ways from that. Uh, but you can win long term at Miami. It's just, it. boy, they were way, way down when he got there. I think getting getting into the MAC tournament's a good first step for them. I think that's very achievable, uh, especially given that Western Michigan's in front of them. The schedule broke pretty well for them here. So there you go. Couple of our best bets: Miami of Ohio and Providence College. That will do it for this episode. Um, we will be back on Thursday, and I think we'll do a Sunday episode. I got to look at what the schedules. If there's going to be any games for us to do next Sunday, uh, or we may just be into a conference tournament preview i think a conference point. tournament futures episode is uh right up our listeners alley you know see if, if if you guys want it holler at us on twitter we will we'll make it happen tell us what you want and we'll try to reflect what you're looking for yeah absolutely so I, i'm guessing so next week we'll say it'll be a normal show uh for the last weekend the last big weekend and then we'll uh we'll, we'll get into conference stuff if that's what you guys are wanting to hear like like griffin said just hit us up on twitter let us know what you want because we're about you we're, we're here for you guys uh griffin great job as always and thank you for your wisdom thank you to you guys for listening we appreciate you tell a friend tell your friend to tell a friend uh and really tell any tell a stranger at the bar that's cool too uh we will talk to you on thursday and best of luck this week